how to get to the website. So, <laughs> Beth, can you please put it up on the screen for me? Okay, I need everybody right now to take a picture of this. Okay, this is the website URL that you'll use to order the bricks. Or if you want to just scan the URL code right now and you want to order a brick while Devin is preaching, please do. All right, thank you. All right, Devin, come on up. We're, we're going to show, uh, I'll, I'll put the FFM news in the newsletter this week, so uh, we just ran out of time. So we're going to pray for uh, Devin. We thank you, God, for what you're doing through this man of God. We thank you for the word that you've given to him. And we just pray, Lord, that you step into this earthly body and speak through him. And we just thank you, God, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this morning. Judges chapter 6. What an amazing thing we just uh, learned about there, what's going on in Detroit. What an incredible ministry. I can only imagine uh, how they feel when they see those women walk into that home um, and find that safe space. And I can only imagine how God feels to see those people reach and be comforted and have healing. And I can only imagine uh, that, what that feels like, and that's incredible. Uh, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this morning. When Malin was talking about not having a backup plan, I got a little nervous because this morning, first thing, Decker was typing on the laptop, working, working, and my document was pulled up. My sermon was pulled up. I'm like, oh my goodness, he might have just typed the whole thing out, rearranged it for me, but he didn't. He was just on a blank pad. I got lucky there because there would be no backup plan, so we would, we would be up here just winging it without notes, but... Now, I'm so thankful this morning. I'm thankful for what God is doing in our church. I'm thankful that we are experiencing revival. We are in a season where God is moving so strongly. There's no doubt. There's no denying it. Families are being brought back together. Uh, marriages are being saved. Children are getting saved. God is moving in our church. Baptisms, we can't even, we got to have a baptism every other week if we're going to keep baptizing the people that are coming to Jesus. God is moving in this church, and we are in the right spot to have God move in our lives. Amen. And even we have some pastors out today, and we still have what an incredible church staff and leadership with all the moving parts that goes into having a service on Sunday. Nobody doing it to be seen, nobody doing it for any credit, only doing it for, for God, doing it for the work that's going on here at Firm Foundations. And I just want to give a hand for our team here at Firm. I love our church. We have an incredible church. So I'm going to pick up in Judges chapter 6 where Breno left off last week. We know that the story of Gideon, we're learning that it's a story of revival. It's a story of a man that needed encouragement in God's purpose. Last week we started learning about Gideon, how he was threshing wheat in the wine press, trying to keep it from the Midianites, the enemy that was uh, attacking Israel at the time. And how this situation that Gideon was in is not much different than ours today because today we live in a world where modern Midianites are trying to consume our resources and trying to leave us with fear for our future and for our children, right? We all have an enemy. We all have modern Midianites in our life. And we saw that the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon and informs him that God has something for him to do, right? He had that encounter with the angel of the Lord. He had that encounter with Jesus, we saw that the angel of the Lord there was the capital A in the Old Testament, 
and they call on him Lord, referring to him as Lord, we know that that's Jesus. They are coming face to face with God. So we see that Gideon is being chosen to deal with the problem Israel is facing. God wants to use them. Everybody say, God wants to use them. God wants to use us in this church today. Gideon gave a series of excuses of why, God, I'm not good enough. I come from the least family. I'm the least of my family. There's no way that I could save Israel. The answer that God had for him was, I am with you. I'm with you. That's the only thing that matters, church. And the answer God gives us today as he's calling us to be carriers of revival, and when we have excuses in our life, the answer is, I'm with you. That's all we need. All we need is the hand of God upon us. And the hand of God is resting upon Firm Foundation Church this morning. Gideon was being called and asked to respond with just a little bit of strength that he had because God was with him. You only need a little bit of strength when God's with you. Breno suggested that for the church to see revival carry, to be carriers of revival, he said it's time to get off the sidelines, it's time to get out of the bleachers, and it's time to get on the battlefield today. So as we learn about Gideon, we're going to see how God is placing him off the sidelines, off the bleachers, and onto the battlefield. Let's pick up with our verses this morning. We're starting in uh, verse number 17, Judges chapter 6 and verse 17 going to read a few verses. So Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went, prepared a young goat, and from an epaph of flour, he made bread without yeast Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire from the fire flared from the rock. That's a tongue twister. (laughs) Consuming the meat. And the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, O sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, we thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. We pray, Lord, that you would search our hearts, encourage us, Lord, and let us be open to your word today. Lord, transform us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, everybody said... So Gideon is out of the press, and we see that he has an encounter with the angel of the Lord. We see that he hears God, wants him to do something, and most importantly, is promising to be with him. His response to the angel of the Lord is, if this is you talking to me, Lord, and I mean if you are talking to me, hold on for a few minutes, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to prepare an offering. You wait here. If this is God, I would just want you to wait. I'm going to go prepare this offering for you. Because Gideon's not sure he's the right guy, but he's going he's gonna to try to figure out if he is. Have any of you ever thought, maybe this could be me? Maybe when God is asking me to do something, have we ever said, uh, I'm not sure I'm the right guy, yeah. or I'm not sure I'm the right woman 
for the job. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have 100% been there in my life. In, me, in my case, uh, I say things like, Lord, are you sure? This, I mean, you feel like you hear God asking you to do something. Go pray for that person. Go be a part of this ministry. Go do this in the church. Go talk to that person. You feel like these things are from God, and you're like, um... Are you sure, Lord? You know, I, re- I really want to make sure. I'm not sure I'm the guy to go pray for that. I'm not sure. Uh, and this is what we find Gideon is doing here after he already had the encounter with God. Sometimes we think, or I think, if God would just speak to us in a human voice, just tell me plain, just speak to me, I would do what he's asking me to do. Does anybody else feel like that? But this scripture right here proves to us that God already tried that and Gideon failed the test. Here he's standing face to face with the angel of the Lord, with Jesus he's meeting, and he's asking him to go lead Israel. I want you to be the one. And Gideon fails to respond with any sort of uh, conviction or with any belief in his heart. He's like, oh, if this is you, Lord, just wait a second. I'm going to go prepare something. Gideon had to come up with his own set of assurances. A prophet, the angel of the Lord, sitting underneath the oak tree with Gideon was not enough. Feels like us sometimes. Gideon wants to make an offering, a special meal. He wants to offer it up uh, to find out what this is really all about. So he goes and gets a young goat, which would be about uh, 30 pounds. He goes and gets a big lot of flour, 30 pounds or more. And the amount's not important, but what we find out about Israel at this time is the Midianites are taking all their resources. Everything's being consumed, so they don't even have a lot for Gideon to go offer up the sizable offer he's going to make. But he wants to make a sizable offer to the representative of God. When times are hard, it's not always easy to make up a sizable offer to God, is it, church? There are times... We have gone through some times as a church body, we've gone through some times as individuals, as families, where it's hard to make up a sizable sacrifice to God. But here we see in Gideon's case, he's doing it. Even if it were only 10 pounds of flour to make that much bread, that would mean feeding uh, his family for a few days, a family of four for a couple of days, yet he used 30 pounds The bread and the meat were a lot more than what one or two men could eat at a time. And he brings that, and he brings it to the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord gives him specific instructions. Put the meat and the bread on the rock over there, pour the broth all over it, and Gideon does exactly what he's told. All this, to me, looks like a test. It looks like a test. This guy just sitting on, at the wine press, right, doing his job off to the side, talking really big. He is claiming to be a speaker for God. It looks like to me Gideon decides to test the messenger. I'm going to test God. I want to see if he really wants to use me. I want to see if he's really speaking to me, if he's really choosing me. So he tests the messenger. He's saying, make me believe Again, has anybody else ever been like, Lord, just help me know this is you. Help me believe that this is you. I've been there. 
make me really know that God is with me, that God wants me to do something, he demonstrates that God's prophet, the angel speaking to him, is not enough to make him respond. When we are in the midst of revival, when we are in the midst of what's going on in our church, when we are seeing the miracles, the families being restored, the baptisms, we're seeing God pour out, and sometimes we feel like, uh, I don't know if I really believe and all that. I'm not sure if that's really happening, but church, I'm here to tell you it's happening right here, right now. However, Gideon's curious enough to see what this is all about. So the angel takes the end of his staff and he touches the sacrifice that Gideon laid out on the rock. And flames jump out of the rock and consume the offering. The entire thing consumes it. The fire of God consumes the sacrifice, the offering that Gideon made. This is not like when the grill flares up a little bit, Eddie, and your burger starts to get a little burnt. Okay? This is the fire of God consuming the sacrifice that Gideon put on the rock. This stuff is soaking wet because he poured broth all over it, like the angel of the Lord told him to do. And it's just in the middle of daytime, it's daytime temperature. But yet everything on the rock was consumed. Then the angel just disappears. God has been present with him and Gideon is finally starting to find out when he sees the flames consume that sacrifice. Church, God is being present with us in this place, in this exact moment. Gideon has to use an offering. He has to put up a sacrifice to learn that. But when he learns that, he finally, it finally clicks for him that God's been present. God is with him. However, we, we're, we're funny. Humans are funny. However, instead of joy and excitement, right, God's with me. I know this is Lord. I know he's calling me. He panics. And he says, in the verses, he says, oh, no, I've seen the Lord face to face. What do they know from back then in the Old Testament? If you see God face to face, you die. You die. Nobody sees the face of God and lives. So from what he knows, he's going to die. That's the deal. If you see God face to face, you die. But God responds, look in the next verse. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Gideon seems to be pretty impressed. He marks the spot. He does what they did in the Old Testament when they would meet God face to face when they would meet the angel of the Lord they would have that encounter with God they would build up an altar to remember what God did in that spot to remember what God did in that place so that when anybody would pass by you'd be able to look at that altar look at those rocks stacked up and you could know the story of how God moved in that moment I'm sure that he took the flame the stone that consume that offering. I'm sure that was placed in the very middle to remember exactly what God had done in that moment. Gideon had a very interesting day. He met the angel of the Lord and he didn't die. He received the message that God had a big job for him and he was a little nervous. He received a sign though that this is real, Doug. It's really God speaking to him. What a day. This doesn't happen very often. Not very often does God speak face to face and you don't die. 
You would think now Gideon can just kick back, relax, take it easy for a little bit. I've come off the sidelines. I've had my encounter with God. God has spoken to me. I know it was him. I didn't die. I'm just going to hang out now. This is, this is great. I'm at a new place with God, and I'm just going to hang back and relax. But, somebody say, but. That's never how the story goes, is it? But Gideon is not finished. He's not finished. You see, when God says something to us and we respond out of faith and we do what God has asked us to do and we encounter the Lord, our work is never finished, church. Amen? So when we see God moving like he's moving in firm foundations, like he's moving in Centerville, like he's moving in the earth, our job is not yet done, right? When we respond to what God is calling us to do, we find out that that response brings on more responsibility. And I don't know about you, but I'm all right with a little more responsibility because nothing else matters to me but God. Nothing else matters but the hand of God that is moving in this place right now. Nothing else but the Lord is good enough for me in this moment. So God, if you had an encounter with you as you're calling us deeper, as you're moving in Centerville, as you're moving in our church. God, we respond in faith and we respond with yes in this place. God calls his people to service and as long as they respond, he has plenty for them to do. God is calling our church to be in service and as long as we respond, there's plenty. I want some people to get a hold of this today, that God wants you to be a carrier of revival. God wants you to be involved in what's going on. God wants you to say yes to the call. God wants you to say yes in this church, to say yes to this church family. Let's move on to verses 24 through 29. That same night, the angel of the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, is full grown. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. In verse 26, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, higher than everything else. Put that altar to God above everything, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Verse 27, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, the astral pole beside it cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? So when they investigated, searched into things, they find out that Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. So God tells Gideon, go take the most valuable bull in your father's herd. Remember, they're going through Resources are limited. Food is limited. They are being attacked by enemies. They don't have things to be offering up. But God tells him, take the full-grown 
bowl, the most valuable piece, go down to your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. So we mentioned last week that the people of Israel have been handed over to the Midianites, right? Because of their disbelief, because they were turned from the Lord. They had 40 years of peace, but they've turned from God. So now God's allowing the enemy to come in. Here we learn in this portion of the story that Gideon's father had an altar to Baal. Baal, a god, false god, something that they believed in back then, wasn't Yahweh, wasn't the God of Israel, wasn't the God they served, wasn't the God of their nation. He had a false idol god altar on his property. God has had and always will have a problem with false gods in our life. God has and always will have a problem with idols in our life. You see, God wants to be your God. God wants to be your everything. God wants all of your attention. He wants all of your hope. He wants all your desires. He wants your everything. He will always have a problem with false idols in your life. And another thing to notice, it's not that Israel stopped worshiping God. They didn't stop worshiping God. They just added in a little bit of worship to Baal too. They just added in a little bit of Baal. Hey, we'll just build this little altar next to the altar that we worship our God. We'll build this little uh, false idol altar and we'll worship him too. Because he was the one that would bring uh, water in the spring and make the crops to grow. So they were desperate, right? That's what this, this, this scripture is showing us, how desperate they were that they would serve an idol, a false god, because they were, their, their crops were scarce, things were scarce around there, and he's going to be the one. Baal is a god who represented with power and strength in the sign of a bull. No wonder God removed protection from Israel when they're serving a false god. No wonder God had Gideon destroy the worship site for Baal with the destruction of the symbol of a bull. What did God tell Gideon to go grab and make a sacrifice on the newly built altar? A bull. It seems that Gideon's father was the keeper of this altar. Isn't that something? Didn't last week we talked about that secondhand faith that sometimes we get? We, we acquire that secondhand faith, just what's been told to us, what's been taught to us, what's been given to us. And here Gideon's father is the keeper of this altar to Baal. Isn't that crazy how that just trickles in? So we have Gideon, the least in his family, the least family in Manasseh, to go question his father's authority. That's what God tells him to do. Go, t- go take that altar, destroy that false idol altar, use the wood from it to make a fire, take the most valuable bull, bull, lay a sacrifice down at the altar. Go question your father's authority. I want you to do something totally different for the nation of Israel. Tear down the place of false worship to take a valuable bull and offer it up as a burnt offering. God is putting Gideon in a pretty awkward position. 
And I want everybody in here to know sometimes God will put us in a pretty awkward position when he tells us to tear down the false idols in our life. When he tells us to tear down the altars in our life, the altars that it's not what we do all the time. It's not what we've totally devoted ourselves to. It's just what we've mixed in with our worship to God. We've mixed in. We have this little altar that we sometimes mix in. What are the altars that separate us from God? What are the altars in our life that separate us from God? Is it money? Is it career? Is it our job? Is it sports? Is it coaching? Is it status? Is it, what is it? What are the things in our life, in our church's life, in our personal lives, if we took inventory, that we give precedence over God? What things do we add in that aren't of God? That's the question I have for everybody this morning. What are the things that we add in that are not from God? If we're all desperately honest, we're all self-examining ourselves, we have some answers. We have some answers. We live in a Canaanite world where we are exposed to all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of idols. But the world says, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody says, it's okay. Just, just mix it in a little bit. We're just going to put some things above God. You're still going to... You're still going to go to church. You can still be a Christian, but we're going to add some things in. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's not hurting anybody else. Us is separating us from God. Israel, do you think Israel, when they were building this false, when they were building this altar for their false idol, for their false God that they believed was going to provide something that their God couldn't, did they ever think, oh, we, we shouldn't do that? This is. No, they probably thought, oh, it's all right. We're still going to, we still worship God. But, but this God, he can give us something else. There's some other things he can provide for us. We have those things in our life. Oh, this can provide for me a little bit. This drug and alcohol can provide for me. This relationship, man, this relationship, I won't be lonely anymore. This will provide for me a little bit. We have these things in our life. An idol is in any object idea or relationship that shifts our focus from God, shifts our focus from God. Anything good or bad that redirects our focus and our faith from God is an idol, is false worship. Is there false worship in our lives? I have to be, if I'm totally honest with myself, Lord, forgive me for sometimes putting this above you. God, forgive me sometimes that I favor this over you. God, forgive me sometimes because I'm not perfect. If we examine ourselves this morning, there's some idols. Gideon is called to start his work for God with a little house cleaning. You see, he had the encounter with God. Last, in last week, we learned he had this encounter with God Now this week we're learning God is calling him to the next level and God to get Gideon to the next level says, I have some house cleaning for you to do. If we want to go to the next level with God, church, we need to do the house cleaning. Uh, We're all here for a move of God. We are all here because we need God. We are all here because there's something in our life that's missing without God. But to get to that next level for some of us, 
we have to do the house cleaning. God's got to work for us. Firm Foundation is doing such an incredible work here. And it's still, he's asking for a little house cleaning. He's still, in his own, in his own strength, a coward. So he does it at night. He goes and tears down the altar at night. But he does exactly as he's instructed to do by God. He destroys the unacceptable altar and provides a new altar to God. He offers the exact sacrifice that God calls for and uses that old altar, that wood he cut down, as fuel for the fire for God to consume the sacrifice. You see, God is calling us today to tear down those altars in our life, to tear down those false altars in our life, and he will use the very thing that you get rid of to consume your sacrifice and take you to the next level. You see, when God called me, I had to give up some things. When God wanted to take me to the next level, Justin, I gave up some things. And he took those things that had me bound, that I put ahead of him, that had me lost, that had me so far from him. He took those things and he used them as fuel to bring me where I am today. And I want to encourage somebody in this place, give it to God. Tear down those altars. Give everything. Go and put it on the altar. Do exactly what God is instructing you to do and he will take you somewhere he will take you somewhere the important thing is how Gideon followed exact instructions and you can also see how he's not perfect he did it at night he was scared of the town he was scared of what people would think about him he was scared of uh, but he still did what God asked him to do I think in all of our hearts we know exactly what God is asking us to do. We know the altars he wants us to tear down. We know what he wants us to get rid in our life. We know exactly what that thing is. And as long as we do it, as long as we can follow it, even though we're weak, he's going to consume and honor our sacrifice and take us to the next level. What a God. What a God. Even though he was afraid of his family and the men in the town, he did it anyway. I believe there are some people in this place that would be afraid of the opinions of other people if they saw you get rid of those altars. If they saw you, we're afraid of the opinions of others, what others might think of us. I want to encourage you today, just offer up what God is asking for. Just offer it up to him. Trust me, nothing else matters. Nothing else but Jesus matters. I promise you, if you just get rid of the opinions of others, others in your life, if you just rid yourself of those opinions of what people might think of me, what people might know, if I confess this, if I do this, if I turn from this, what if they find out? It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it'd be the best decision you've ever made in your life because God is on the move. God is setting people free. God is bringing forth revival and he will consume you with his all-breathing fire. What a God. A coward can do anything when he or she knows God is with them. What more could a brave person do? What more could a person that says, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to stand for God. No matter what, I'm going to stand for Jesus. No matter what, I am going to pursue him. No matter what, I want to be a part of revival. No matter what, I can only imagine what that person would do. 
the men of the town saw the destruction and started an investigation. They had a bone to pick with somebody. Even though they worked at night, Gideon did it in secret. He did it when nobody was awake. Somebody gave Gideon the credit, a.k.a. somebody ratted Gideon out. One of the servants blabbed and ruined the whole deal. Verse number 30. The men of the town demanded Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. The men of the town came to kill Gideon. They see the last man of the least important family in Manasseh tore down their altar. Now they go to his dad and they, want to, they say, we're going to kill him. They say, this one's for Don, that Gideon has gotten too big for his britches. If I had a southern accent and Don was saying it, it'd be way better, but... <laughs> they don't yet see anything wrong with their idol worship. The town, the nation is coming to destroy the man who destroyed their false idols because they don't see a problem with their false worship. Come on. They fail to recognize that they have been doing anything wrong in these last seven years, and their false worship is a sign of what they've been going through. That's us sometimes. That is us sometimes. You see, they had 40 years of peace. Now this false worship happens. Now these false idols happen. And now all of a sudden they're under attack. And now all of a sudden there's no peace. Now all of a sudden their resources are scarce. Apply it to our own lives. Whenever someone points out the foolish of idol worship, people get angry. They get offended. Sometimes they get aggressive. In this case, even violent. When people are involved in idol worship, they can never view until something outside of that points out their idol worship. They can't change their view. Something outside of it needs to come in and change that view. For Gideon, for the nation of Israel, it was God Almighty came in and pointed out that false idol worship to Gideon and used Gideon to tear it down. They can only change when life rearranges their values. Sometimes that is a person giving corrections and other times it's a life event or something that happens in our life that changes our perspective, changes our focus. Have you ever had that life-changing event? Maybe even somebody in your life that's tried to help you see things differently. When Gideon destroyed the idol and replaced it with the proper altar, people did not want the change. They didn't want to accept it. They were upset that their altar got destroyed. For a brief time, they were more worried about the change Gideon was bringing than they were about the enemies that were plaguing their nation. They were more worried about their false idols being taken away, their altars being destroyed, than they were worried about the enemies that were in their camp. Since the Baal altar was probably on Joash's property, you would think he would have just turned over his son. But he doesn't. Listen to his reply, verse 31. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death 
by the morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself. When someone breaks down his altar, verse 32 says, So that day they called Gideon Jerubbaal, saying, Let Baal contend with him, because he had broken down Baal's altar. It appears that the only person that understood what Gideon was doing was his father. Not only did he support him, but he seems to have recognized the change in Gideon. The change started with Gideon, just a humble farmer in the wine press, threshing wheat, wouldn't hurt a fly. Now all of a sudden he's acting out, tearing down altars, burning fires, taking the bowl, burning it. But he wasn't acting out against his family or his father. He was acting out against false idols. He was acting out on God's behalf. He was acting out on what God had called him to do, and that was to help take the nation of Israel into another direction. If the worship team would come. Gideon was not the mastermind. He wasn't. It was God that had to come speak to him and give him precise direction on what to do. Gideon was timid. He was shy. He was scared. He was a coward at the worst. He himself took part in that same idol worship. He himself also was like the rest of Israel. Where is God? Where is the God of our fathers? Where is the God that brought us out of Egypt? Where is the God that saved, us, saved them before? Where is he? That's where the nation of Israel was at this time. That was also Gideon. But God approaches him to bring Israel back to the Lord. Bring Israel back to the one and only true God. The only way to make that happen was for Gideon to do the house cleaning. I think it's amazing that God chose the least family. He chose the least man. He chose the one probably nobody would ever expect to do the house cleaning, to do the work of God to bring back the nation of Israel. He approaches the least of the nation to bring a whole people back in line with the Father. He had to make a statement that in order to be right with God, you got to make some sacrifices. You have to be bold. You have to do something. You have to take a risk. That sitting on the sideline, being in the wine press, over here worrying, fearful of the future for our children, of our marriage, of our church, whatever it is, whatever the fear was, he had to take a risk. He had to make some sacrifice. He had to do some house cleaning. He had to do what God was calling him to do. And God was calling him to turn everybody back 
to the Father. Can I say something to some young people in this place? God has chosen the young people in this place to be the ones that get the whole generation, the whole family back in line with the Father. Every generational curse, everything that your family has been through, any, everything that you've seen your parents struggle with, your grandparents struggle with, your family struggle with, everything, all of those things, they all end with you because God has called you to be the stopper of that false worship. He's been called you to bring you back, bring your family back. And it's, it's a lot of responsibility, but it's the best darn thing if you just take the risk and bring God your sacrifice. Fathers in this place, fathers, God is calling you to tear down the idol worship, to tear down those altars, to get your family in line with him once and for all. You see, you're having an encounter. You've had an encounter. You know what God is speaking to your heart, and he's calling you today. Bring your sacrifice. Cut down those altars. Let me use you to bring everybody back in line. Moms, He's calling you today, the keeper of the family, the glue, the strength, the backbone. You take care of everything. He's calling you today to help bring down those idols, help bring down those altars, help align your children, help align their future grandchildren, your future grandchildren, help align them with the Father. Put your family in a place in line with God. House cleaning starts with the individual. House cleaning starts with one person, and then it trickles into the family, and then it trickles into the church, then it trickles into your community, trickles into your jobs. House cleaning starts with one person. It starts with one person that says, I'm gonna tear down these altars, that nothing else matters more than Jesus. Nothing else matters than God in my life. House cleaning starts with one, and it trickles in everywhere. God is calling all of us to trust in him in this moment, to trust in him in this season, that revival is upon us, that a shaking is upon us, that he is changing lives. He is calling people out. He wants to restore marriages. He wants to set people free. He wants to set the captives free. He wants to get people clean. He wants to bring people back to God. And he's not looking for some fancy, shiny, perfect, well put together person to do it. He's looking for the least, the unexpected, the person that doesn't believe they can. He's looking for that person to be the one to do the house cleaning so that his family could experience revival. Stand with me in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We've had the encounter. We've had the encounter. And today we're being called. And just like last week, God is so faithful to meet us when we accept the call, when we respond. Gideon responded. And he trusted that he could be the man as long as God was with him. If that's you today, I pray that you would come down to this altar and finally put those things down. Those things that have been mixed in with your worship, those things that have been a part of who you are, that have been above God, 
I, I ask you, I encourage you in this place to finally tear them down and know that God is with you and will honor your sacrifice. I want to pray for everybody in this place. Father, we, th- we thank you that you are with us. God, we thank you for the encounter that we've had. We thank you, Lord, that we see your faithful hand upon us. And in this moment, we thank you that you're in this room, God. We thank you that you're moving in this place, Jesus. I pray, Father, for every heart in this place. Lord, help us tear down the altars in the name of Jesus. Help us tear down those altars that we've placed in worship with you, Lord. Help us tear them down. And God, honor the sacrifice, the most valuable sacrifice that we could bring, Lord. We lay it at your feet today, Lord. Give us the courage and the strength and be with us in this moment, Lord. We give ourselves to you. Nothing else matters but you, God. Nothing else matters but you, Jesus. I pray that you would touch every person in this place, Lord. Let us have a moment with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you come? Come tear down those altars. Get rid of those altars. Get rid of them. Be the person. Be the one. God is calling you. He's speaking to you. You know God is speaking. You know that it's you. Lord, we give you our altars. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. The circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority. Declaring blessings, every promise He is faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater, He is stronger, He's the God of possible. I pray for your healing. The circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, oh, come believe it, come receive.
as families, as a church body. And Lord, we pray that we would carry out your presence, carry out this touch, carry out this fire, and let it impact our communities. Let it impact our families, our friends, our coworkers, our schools, our jobs, Lord. Use us to be carriers of revival and use us, God, to save a lost and dying world. We pray that they would see you in us, that they would see your light in this dark world through us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You are all can be.